This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, it's Paul Casey here, your voice of choice for the Clock Shelves Podcast Network. And this episode is brought to you by the Clock Shelves Patreon account. Yes, as you may be aware, we are getting to the end of Lost with Friends and we want you to be influential in what podcast we do next. Stay tuned a little bit later in the show to find out more information on that. That's the Clock Shelves Patreon account. Stay tuned later for more. everybody and welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey, and I am delighted to be joined by a recurring guest and a brand new guest today. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves. Hi again, guys. It's Andy. Hi, I'm Cara. Welcome. C-A-R-A. Welcome to the show, Cara. Uh, Delighted to have you here. And uh, since you're a new guest, of course, have to ask you the standard questions, right? How, when, and why did you get into Lost? Okay, I'm just going to be brutally honest. Me and Andy met through an online dating app. And on the very first date, we actually went to a, what did we go to? Like a pub, but like a nice one. So just like getting to know each other. And then I asked the question, um, do you have any favorite TV shows? And then he actually asked me the question back. Um, like, what are your favorite TV shows? And I was like, obviously saying Game of Thrones, um, Black Mirror, you know, standard stuff. And then he was like, yeah, me too. And then he was like, actually, there is this one TV show that I really like. It's a bit old, so you probably don't know it. And then I was like, what is it? Uh, And then he said, it's Lost. And of course I've heard of Lost because it's really popular. But what deterred me from watching it is because um, it ended quite a long time ago. So I didn't feel like other people will like it. Like, I didn't know you had such a big community. Um, so he was, like, obviously turning into a lost nerd. So he made me watch all six seasons, and I can't object to anything, so that's how I, I was forced into Lost. She, she, was for, she was forced into it. Although I have to admit, no, baby, come on, you enjoyed it, didn't you? I did. I really liked um, the first two seasons, so it's fun because I'm going to be objective. Yeah, this, she might be the first guest on that's not a total lost nerd. Um, but shout out to, obviously, uh, my great friend, Andrew. I think I got a little bit better off than him because I know that Autumn kind of gets annoyed with Andrew about, about Lost and doesn't like it quite so much. But at least Cara kind of I like the first two it. seasons a lot. Yeah. The first two seasons are really good. And I love Juliet. Yeah, don't get her on the same podcast as Tony. I was going to say, yeah, her and Tony. I'm, I just loved the the thing where you're just like, oh, come on, you liked it, didn't you? Like, just yeah. the, like the reassuring, like, yeah, you did, right? Please say yes. Like, but basically, she, basically, she knows that she's going to get a divorce if she eventually, if it comes out and says, actually, I never liked it. It'll be like, no. Oh, that's not true. Lost is great. <laughs> Fantastic acting. I love it. Well, the so- first two seasons. I want to I want to say, um, you know, uh, Andy actually said something to me a bit earlier about the fact that, you know, you guys are married and and, uh, you know, we now have another corn forth on the show. And I wanted to throw this out there because it was a joke the last time Andy was on. Uh, 
Kara, you're even going to actually, because of alphabetical order, be put on the website above Tony once again. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Please write me the coolest Cornforth, because I really am. Yeah, she's much cooler than us four. <laughs> she, well, first things first, she's not a nerd. But, <laughs> <laughs> which probably instantly <laughs> makes her much better. Oh, I'm also Asian, which makes yeah. me really cool. Yeah, she's uh, a <laughs> bit, bit of a tweet. We're just boring, boring white folk. Oh, yeah, no, actually, I was asking Andy this question yesterday um, because of Sun. I asked, have you met any Asian Sun fans? And it's a no, so I'm a bit disappointed in that. I can actually become Sun. No, nobody really likes Sun, do they? I don't know. No, People like, like it, but nobody Andrew like does. Do you, have any, do you have any Asian Lost fans? But do you know anybody whose favourite character is Sun? Well, Andrew's Asian. Andrew's Asian, and he, likes, he does like oh. Sun. Half Asian. Yeah. I'm like Asian Asian. You so are Asian Asian. I can cosplay Sun. Yeah, so I don't. Really great. I don't know. Like, just I mean. Yeah, I I, I don't think anybody's favorite character is Sun though. Because, like, I said this in a no. previous episode, like, I mean, yeah, she's main character and everything. And, like, obviously the episode we're going to be talking about, you know, you have that extremely emotional moment with her and Jin. But I always felt that they were, like, second tier main characters. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you have, you know, Jack and Kate and Sawyer and so on and so forth. But I always felt like her and, like, Boone were almost equivalent in terms of main character, but not main main character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, she's obviously a hell of a, a hell of a lot higher than Boone because he died. But I oh, yeah. Mean, if, Boone I, can, I, yeah. <laughs> if Boone had continued through the show, then yeah, I would agree. Yeah. But I mean, because yeah, even by even by season probably season three already, like Ben is kind of already more of a main character than her in some in some respects, like more integral to the. She's quite the linear, flow. isn't she? I yeah, she's. Quite I linear, love Jin. Yeah. I absolutely love Jin. He looks really good topless. <laughs> that always comes up. Always say, "Good Jin topless." I mean, she's not wrong though. He does. <laughs> no, he does. You're quite right. No, when I was watching that episode, I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh. <laughs> Sorry, baby. <laughs> I will get there one day. You're right. He's shorter than me, so it's easier for short people to have good bodies. Okay. Yeah. That's how you need to explain it away, Andy. Um... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not the fact that I'm just eating chocolate right now. <laughs> so today we will be talking about the last recruit. And I, I know this wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, Andy, this, this is a, a Jack one, but not a lot of Jack. This was mostly just, um, I'm not going to lie, you had said to me at one point about wanting to get the two of you on. And for whatever reason, not a lot of people were like, oh, this is one that I want to talk about. So I thought, you know, having you guys on here, and it's kind of a all the characters sort of thing. So we could get, a, well, at least I could get and the fans could get, uh you know, an idea for Kara's thoughts about everybody, you know, in addition to the standard season six, flash sideways, so on and so forth. So before we get into this in particular, did you guys have any thoughts on the episode overall? I mean, so, well, I was on three episodes ago with my brothers. Uh, this episode, I, I feel, was a lot better than that one. Um, I'll be honest, I did come into this thinking it was going to be better because I said to you, I thought it was obviously being a big Lost fan. I probably shouldn't have got this wrong, but I thought this was a Jack episode. And yeah, you're right. It turns out it wasn't actually a Jack episode. It was an everybody episode. Uh, obviously, for the, for the listeners here, they probably know that I'm a little bit of a Jack fan. Uh, yeah. Although 
after doing this podcast, I didn't realise how many people did dislike Jack. Um, I don't know. Actually, yeah, I can't. I feel like a lot of people, because I, I like you know, I'm part of some of the lost groups on Facebook and stuff, and I still get people who say on there like, "Why do people not like Jack?" And I'm always tempted to go oh, in there, but oh. I feel like I'm going to get obliterated in the comments if I go in there with all my Jack hate. <laughs> yeah, he's the main character. I mean, yeah, but that's it stops at that. It does the main character. He's. Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into something. I'm not. I'm not a Jack fan. I know you're not. That's why you and Paul are going to get on. You're just going to go ripping <laughs> Jack. <laughs> okay. For me, I'm just not a fan of this season all in all, if I'm being very honest. So I've kind of lost track of what was happening when I was watching the series. I, I felt like that since, I don't know, season, season, <laughs> I don't see When Flash Sideways came on, yeah, I, I still don't understand what's happening, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it must be quite hard for you coming in. Obviously, I've... I can watch any episode, and I'm sure you can, Paul, and all the listeners probably can, can watch any episode by itself and understand the storyline completely. Whereas you've watched Lost once about over, about over a year ago now, and it's like <laughs> you, uh, you'd you probably come and watch one episode and have got no idea what's but going on. But I still on. enjoy it because it's just a good TV show, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, actually, well, obviously, Cara knows a lot more than most people who've just watched one episode of Lost, but mm-hmm. she's she's also... Uh, she also came along to the Lost concert that I went to with my siblings oh, yeah, in. Uh, it was really good. Yeah, it was really, really in good. Dublin, which I've just got the vinyl for, uh, which is fantastic. Although we sat down for dinner tonight and I started playing the Lost vinyl, <laughs> and Cara just shouted oh, at me, going, We've listened to this five days in a row. Can we not listen to something else? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> If it was up to me, I'd listen to Michael Giacchino every single night. Well, every, all, all the time, to be honest. He's really, really good. It was he a is. really good concert. Really, really good. I actually just saw a thing uh, the other day where it was like, you know, if you only had like six minutes to, you know, before you were going to die or whatever, what song would you play? And I was with somebody else and I just pulled out my phone and I went to YouTube and I searched up the life and death uh, thing and I was like, this, <laughs> this is what I would play. <laughs> It'd be a send off, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cara <laughs> shaking her head, looking at us, how much, how nerdy we are. But she saw it's my face, cute. like I was nodding, going, yeah, I'd probably listen to something like that. And she, <laughs> she's just there thinking nerds. <laughs> Very cute. Thanks. Do we want to uh, get right into the last recruit now? Yes. Yeah, well, actually, one thing I will say before, because I know you're going to gloss over it, uh, was um, I noticed, because we've been watching Bates Motel, so we've just started watching uh, that, where we've watched the first two seasons now. Uh, and obviously that is Carlton Cuse. That's what he did after Lost. Um, so I'm always constantly talking about Carlton Cuse when we're watching that, because, like, referring to Lost and, like, making sure that Cara builds up her general knowledge around it. Um, and... And Carlton Cuse was also at the at the Lost concert, but I was realizing watching Bates Motel that Carlton Cuse reads the previously on Bates Motel, and <laughs> I sound like a robot then. Um, and I was wondering, does he do it on Lost as well, or does him or Damon do it on Lost, or is it just a random person doing the speaking? I thought I'd ask you here because I thought you might know. I do know, and it's actually not either of them. And it was people thought it was Carlton because it's that deep voice and it sounds very similar to his and people for years thought it was his. But it's actually so, Andy, you know this and and 
I'm, I'm assuming Kara knows. If not, she's going to get a Lost lesson from me now. Um, so when Lost was ordered as a show, the head of ABC at the time was named Lloyd Braun. And he was like, I want you know shows like this, whatever. He ordered the pilot. It was the most expensive pilot in television history, so on and so forth. A lot of people know that story. He got fired because of it. So they, so Damon and Carlton brought him in, and it's actually his voice. They dropped it down to make it a little deeper, but because he was so instrumental in getting the show on the air and then got fired because of it, they brought him in, and he says, previously on Lost. Ah, interesting. <laughs> okay. Carl just Googled it. It's true. And it is Colin Cuse, yeah. So my Lost fan uh, came to the rescue there. It was, it was an uh, epiphany, wasn't it? You're it was an epiphany. I was like, that's Colin Cuse. <laughs> Especially because, especially because, well, to be fair, for the last week, we've been listening to the Lost Vinyl, and it's not just songs by Michael Giacchino, it also has uh, little, like, skits in it uh, of when, like, Jorge Garcia came onto the stage and Colton Cuse and Michael Giacchino himself, so I've actually been listening to a lot of his voice, so that probably helps. Okay. All right, so, the last recruit, we pick up where we left off with our on-island characters. Hurley, Jack, Son, and Frank have just come to Locke's camp. Locke welcomes Jack into the camp and says they have a lot to discuss, but Jack looks to Hurley, reminding Hurley, and us of course, that this was all Hurley's plan. Jack previously mentioned sitting back and letting other people be in charge, so he asks for Hurley's permission to go speak with Locke privately. Hurley agrees while also handing Jack a gun. Jack and Locke then walk into a secluded section of the jungle with Jack commenting that Man in Black looks just like Locke, but admits that it bothers him that he, Jack, doesn't know who or what Man in Black actually is. But Locke reassures Jack that he does know, and when asked, he reveals that he took Locke's form because Locke was a believer and stupid enough to get himself killed for these beliefs, and the fact that Jack brought back the body. This is when Jack makes the connection that Man in Black has taken the form of dead bodies before, questioning who else Man in Black has looked like. But Locke gets him to ask the real question, which is if Man in Black looked like Jack's father, Christian, and Man in Black confirms this. His reasoning is that Jack needed to find water, and that Man in Black has only ever been interested in helping him or them leave. Uh, MIB states that Jacob chose and trapped Jack and the other survivors before they ever actually got to the island, but Jacob is dead now, and no one has to be trapped. Uh, they can all fly away, but when asked by Jack, Man admits they all have to leave together. Jack has an emotional moment and tells Man in Black how Locke was the one that believed in the island and that they never should have left, but Man in Black counters that Locke was actually a sucker. Okay, so, um, first of all, I'm still not over Man in Black stealing Locke's body. I find it really hard to watch, because I really did love Locke a lot, especially on the first two seasons, which I remember, because I really liked the first two seasons. Even I find it hard, to be honest, still. I I, I don't like it. I I also don't like it. Also, um, I really didn't like what he said about Locke, that he was a sucker, that he was stupid and things. I... I found it really hard to yeah. watch. It's just him trying to be manipulated again. I did I did write a note saying I think you could kind of see Jack's face. There was a little bit of anger in it when Flock said Locke was a sucker. Um, and they were playing Locke's theme then as well. They, they do they, The writers do all they can to sort of make you think it's Locke by um, still 
Chiquino playing those those, those same scores. Yeah. And but what I also yeah what I also loved about this is just well, that's what's so great about Lost that they still they know they have the there are those fans out there that have a lot of knowledge and a deep connection with it and they're still th- giving throwbacks to the what's White Rabbit season one episode five so we're talking over six seasons right over five seasons aren't we it's a it's a proper throwback well i remember that being one of the things like going into the season of like things you know we desperately wanted to know and things like that and you know with the and even as season six was progressing you know are we ever going to figure out who or what jack was chasing is are they going to confirm that it was you know actually the man in black smoke monster whatever and so for them to finally have it here realistically for them to finally have this confrontation, you know, like they briefly interacted at the end of the previous one. But I said it in that podcast, like we really get it here where like they, they have the face to face and it's surprisingly calm for both of them. I think just to be just sitting there talking instead of, you know, you look at Jack and his interactions with Locke season one, like I mentioned life and death before, you know, the first, one of the first times we ever heard that theme was Boone dying and Jack saying, I'm going to go find John Locke, you know, and then they were just clashing all the time. And so for now, I understand it's not Locke actually, but for now the main bad guy of the show, man in black and the hero of the show jack to be sitting there and just talking instead of fighting it out their first time it always surprises me a little bit yeah well actually this is probably be a theme through my notes in this but this is sort of maybe a few episodes earlier well it was when jack sat down by the lighthouse um but this is a different jack now this is a very calm jack this is a jack who knows his purpose and you don't really see him get angry now again at all or, or get worked up. Uh, if anything, like Sawyer's taken that role as we'll, we'll get to later in the episode. But yeah, Jack's very, very calm now all the time. He's uh, like sort of strategic in his thinking. You just uh, love Jack. I do love Jack, but you can't, you can't argue with what I'm saying here, especially as he comes to the scene later uh, on the boat and things. Um, Jack is just, he knows what he's doing now. And if anything, he also, he's only really looking out He's kind of, he does care about everybody else, but he's kind of looking out for himself as well. Like he wants to, he wants to be complete and he doesn't, he doesn't, I feel he doesn't bear the weight of everybody else on his shoulders quite like he does in the first few seasons. He cares more about sort of protecting the island now, a bit like Locke than, uh, than everybody else. I think that's kind of more of his motivation now. I feel like we talked about this, Andy, kind of towards the beginning uh, of the season, but how, you know, in, you know, seasons one through four, he's so like headstrong, like you said, like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, you know, and I need to, I need to look out for everybody and whatever. And then in season five, we see him so incredibly broken and he kind of has to pull himself out of that and let other people be in charge. He has to let Ben and Eloise and, you know, whatever, kind of give him the direction of how to get back to the island. And then even when he's there, he's taking orders from, you know, Sawyer and and whatever. And then he thinks he's picking up Daniel's cause of setting off the bomb 
and then that's wrong. So he kind of has that moment, like you said, kind of earlier towards the, the beginning of this season again, where it's like, well, okay, so I thought I was letting go, and then I did, and then I picked it back up again, and then that still didn't work. So I, I, I would agree that he is very different, and he may be learning from that mistake because it's – I don't want to say it's exactly like when people, you know, relapse or whatever, but, like, he – was silent and he, you know, uh, let go. And then as soon as he started to take charge again, Juliet died and he obviously blames himself for that. So I think, yeah, he's very much at that place right now where he's like, Hey, you know, uh, all right, I'm finally going to let it go and let other people kind of be in charge. Yeah, I, I agree. And I say that as a Jack hater. So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the flash sideways, Locke has been run over and he's now in an ambulance and Ben is with him. The EMTs call out his vitals and talk about how there's no response in his lower reflexes. But Ben informs them that he's paraplegic and tells the EMTs that Locke is a substitute teacher at his school. He then says he saw the hit-and-run driver, but the EMT tells him to uh, talk to the cops at the hospital. Right now, they need to contact someone for Locke. Locke yells out the name Helen and says he was going to marry her. Ben says he still will and continues to call him Mr. Locke as he doesn't know his first name, and Locke then informs him that it's John. And I want to take a brief pause here. This was something I talked about in a previous episode of sort of when do we, you know, we, we see little you know awakening moments in some of the characters when Libby kisses Hurley but at some point Libby had an awakening beforehand I feel like when Locke says I was going to marry her do we think he's already started to have this sort of like maybe little flashes or not yet I'd never thought of that line um but I imagine that's exactly what it was he must have been realizing that he didn't in the end mm-hmm yeah. I also, I really, really, really like Flash Sideways Ben. Good Ben, I call him. Yeah. I really like him as a substitute teacher. I like Ben as a character. But he's kind of pathetic in this, isn't he? But he's lovely. Yeah, but I love Ben. He's lovely, but I just I really can't like help ben. but feel sorry for him. Especially, I can't remember, it must be in Dr. Linus, when he has this sort of like, he's with like Russo and Alex, and he's just, he's so yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was but very sad. I, so but I absolutely love Ben. Yeah, um, he's great. Even as a bad character i just like him a lot and you think he's really attractive too don't you (laughs) you can't say something like that (laughs) (laughs) that was a joke by the way i love sawyer oh i love sawyer sorry speaking of attractiveness okay sawyer is so attractive so she doesn't she doesn't like jack she thinks Jin and Sawyer are good looking. She likes Ben. We're going to get along great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> Cuz go back and listen to any of these. I've said up just about every one of those things in most episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a few moments later at the hospital, they're getting Locke out of the ambulance and taking him in. Son is also being wheeled in alongside of him as Jin is shouting uh, about a baby to the staff. They try to communicate that they understand, but Son quickly freaks out upon seeing Locke in, uh, and screaming in Korean, no. Jin asks what's wrong and Son just simply says, it's him over and over again. I didn't have any notes on this section. Well, I just remember... 
I just remember when I was first watching it, because, you know, obviously we didn't know what the sideways was. And, you know, Andy, you've been probably the most recurring guest on this season. So we've talked about this many times, but, you know, rewatching it when you know what the sideways is, it doesn't play as well as it did the first time, you know, but um, when watching this the first time, I remember because I, I remember reading a theory online about Desmond and how because he after his episode he seemed to have an awareness of both the sideways and the real timeline and so I thought that there was going to be some sort of and people online thought that there was going to be some sort of like way that he was going to like merge the timelines or something and so again like I said about Locke with the awakenings I just feel like maybe you know son was clearly having the same thing where she's just saying it's him it's him because she may be remembering you know man in black lock and not real lock because if she's just having little tiny flashes she may not have gotten everything she may just be getting kind of the end of the story for her yeah no okay, i agree with that um but all the the problems i have with the flash sideways which is a lot i will say that I I think in terms of a mystery uh, and a reveal I think it was very good actually like I remember I was reading a lot of forums lots of spoilers all of that sort of stuff this nobody knew what this was and it was kept secret till the end and I had no idea what was going on and you kind of yeah you if you're not like a proper lost fan it is very difficult to understand like as I say Cara probably still doesn't quite we probably need to watch season six or at least the finale another time uh, and have me explain it to really understand what it is. But I do think in terms of mystery writing and a reveal, it was very good. Like it kept everybody guessing. Um, but like you say, watching it second time is a bit crap compared to, because uh, I would kind of um, compare it with Westworld. So I don't know how many of the listeners have watched Westworld season one, but there's, there's a, season-long story arc in that which uh you've basically got no idea this is there's these two these two storylines going on i'm trying not to give too much away here but then you you realize at the end that uh, actually you've been watching you've been watching something you've been watching something which was a different time different place whatever and it's the most incredible well, one of the most incredible reveals in television I've ever seen. And you can, and I've watched season one of Westworld three or four times. And every time I get so much enjoyment out of the creative writing and how, how well they kept this, even though there are so many little nudges to what's going on. Um, whereas you don't have that in the sideways of season six. Well, there are, it's funny, like what, like doing this and, and talking about little things like there are little hints throughout the season, but like you don't necessarily realize that they are hints until you're fully aware of it. You know, and for some reason, I just don't care either. Like, no. I don't even care if there are little hints, whereas sometimes with other things when rewatching it, you can really get an enjoyment out of out of it. But with the flash sideways, I don't get that. No, I, I agree. And it's it, it definitely is an issue and and. You know, like I said, we've we've kind of talked about this a few times, but I like you said about, you know, like um, if you're not like a super fan, I know people who 
watched the entire I mean again we've talked about this people who watched the entire thing oh I wasted you know six years of my life or people saying so wait were they you know what like what was the whole thing and I have to sit there and I have to explain it to them and I don't think that's necessarily a thing against the writers or the show I I would actually put that more on the people watching it because to me it shows they weren't paying attention enough and that's on them. That's not on the creative force of the show. You know what I mean? I do, but I think from a television writing perspective, you're you're writing for the many, not the not the few big fans. Well, see, cause, okay, because see, I would I would not argue that, but like, I mean, I'm assuming being a, a fan, you've also watched Fringe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I remember when that show had, you know, if you if you go back and watch the first like two seasons of that show they it's very much like old school like x-files and even like a law and order or something where it's very much like case of the week or monster of the week or whatever but as the show started going on they kind of dropped that and they started doing more serialized storylines because they said at a certain point they're like listen we're like three or four seasons in clearly we have our core fan base and they're following along so we are basically just writing it to them you know, and I, I get what you're saying. That's not necessarily the best thing, but I don't think it's the worst thing either. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Back on the island, Locke and Jack are walking through the jungle once again. Locke hears a noise and calls for someone to come out. Claire makes her way out and tells them that she followed them because Jack is her brother and Locke leaves them alone. And I think about this every time. If Jack didn't know that fact, that they were siblings, how mind blown would he have been in that moment where she's just like yeah I need to talk to him because he's my brother Um, Claire then asks if Locke admitted to masquerading around as Christian Jack admits that uh, Locke did and Claire says she hoped Jack and the rest would come back and she's glad that they did they admit it's good to see each other and she starts to say she never had a lot of family but it means a lot that Jack is going with them Jack claims he hasn't decided yet, but Claire tries convincing him that he did. She claims the moment Jack let Locke speak, just like everybody else, Jack is with Locke now. And that goes back to something again earlier in the season of, if you let him speak, he's already won. Yeah. This, that you just gave me a great image of like, what would they have done if Jack didn't know? And I just had an image of, obviously, Claire in the Darth Vader sort of role. (laughs) (laughs) Jack is Luke going... I am your father. And then Jack just going, no, <laughs> in some parody sketch. But I mean, realistically, she just says that and just like says it so casually. And like, we don't necessarily think anything of it because it's like, yay. Again, much like I said about, you know, Jack and Locke finally seeing each other. It's yay. These siblings finally get to see each other. But she doesn't know that Jack knows. Yeah. But again, it's just one of those writing things. For the for those casual viewers that have forgotten or it slipped their mind, they just need a little bit of a reminder. Yeah. What do you think about the, uh, uh, you know, if you've it basically, like I said, if you know, if you let him speak, he's already he's already won, sort of thing. What do you guys think about that? Because they brought that back here. Yeah, they do it all the time, don't they? I think. Um, I'm not sure what there is to think about it. It's more like. Yeah, he's a very manipulative person, and as soon as you let him speak, you're, I don't think you're necessarily with him, but I do think you're—he's—he has—he's kind of got a 
got an edge on you now. Uh, he has the potential to be able to manipulate you now. Okay. Um, speaking of the man in black, I kind of refuse to believe that he's pure evil because yeah. even Darth Vader is like I. I just look at all these Star Wars references. No, I. <laughs> I don't like Star Wars, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say that I don't think Man in Black is just evil, but uh, I think I kind of found out afterwards when I watched that when the island was some sort of heaven with Mother and yeah. little Man in Black and little Jacob, and I just... It was obvious that he's just not evil, is he? No, he's not. That's the very was... theme. Like, I, um, I've said this In fact, this. I think Jacob is the evil one. Yeah. Sorry, I've got a, a theory. I think a lot of people do. And I'm, I, I, I don't I, like Jacob. No, I, don't, I don't particularly like Jacob. It's awful. We, I, spoke, we've, I think a lot of people have spoken about this before. The more and more you watch Lost, the more and more you realise Jacob isn't quite as good oh, as you think Jacob is. is definitely not. Oh, he's just really strange. Just, no. No. I'm also not a fan of... Sorry, it's just like me dissing this episode, but it's really not. I'm just trying to be objective. I'm not a huge fan of Jack and Claire being siblings. It's just a bit strange, but... It does make sense because of um, storyline, but I just don't like the main siblings. I kind of know what you mean. I, I like the fact that Christian is kind of is both their fa- fathers, but unfortunately that makes them siblings because yeah. it, it doesn't really work out them being siblings. Yeah, because, but the storyline of yeah. Christian being their father is a nice little twist. In in early seasons, they just they don't really interact that much. It's just like it feels like it's being thrown in, just like. Claire being so rabid. Yeah, she's, she's just so weird now. She's just really weird. I would say I didn't like her writing. I didn't like her lines. And I felt like she was a completely different person than early lost Claire. I really quite liked old Claire because she was really sweet and innocent. But like now she's just like a completely different person. A bit Game of Thrones. Daenerys going insane in the last two episodes. It doesn't yeah. add up. I just, I'm not a fan of season six, Claire. She's yeah. just strange. And she didn't need to be evil, either, be stupid either. And yeah. She's I, just lost. Yes, yeah, just... No yeah. pun intended, <laughs> but whatever. But I will, but, and I think, obviously they've intentionally written Claire like this, because I put a comment later for when Claire comes into the flash sideways, that um, I'm not sure if the, a lot of the writers are the same from seasons one all the way through season six, but... They did a really good job at, like, writing Claire as season one Claire's mm-hmm. sort of uh, personality and story. I think they got they got it very yeah. very good well, um, which draws massive comparisons to but what yeah, she is now. But yeah, just doesn't add up at all. She's just changed. I know that she was probably manipulated by the man in black, but it's just. It's so sudden and it just doesn't make any sense. And I find it hard to watch. As it doesn't make any sense. Thing. She didn't need to do It like does that. not make any sense. Yeah. I'm very disappointed. I get the same with Saeed, but we don't need to go down that. <laughs> we'll go down that route because I used to love Saeed a lot as well. Yeah. But yeah. Well, okay. So, um, so the the last thing that that we said about about you know Locke talking with Jack and you know you guys keep saying manipulated and I don't disagree but there is a a section of people out there and i think i've talked about it on the show before how uh they think that uh man in black has some sort of supernatural powers right so when when they say oh you let him speak to you it's not so much he can manipulate like ben can manipulate right he just uses his word and gets you to think what he thinks but there are people who think that man in black 
actually has like a whole like a like a supernatural hold on you and that's what people think about Claire and about Saeed and things like that which I would agree with the whole I don't think Man in Black is pure evil I think and I do think uh Jacob is you know a bit more of a bad character than we're supposed to feel but what do you guys think about this concept that because uh, somebody said on the show that they think or that they have heard at least that part of the reason that certain things uh, that, you know, that Saeed starts to kind of drift away from, you know, this darkness or whatever. And even Claire at a certain point is because she gets a certain distance away from from Locke. Therefore, she's not necessarily under his like, for lack of a better word, mind control anymore like the further you get away from him the less you're actually under his control do you guys think that plays a part in it or do you think he's really just a a smooth talker enough that he just manipulates in the same way ben does i'd like to respectfully disagree with um the group of people thinking that he has a supernatural hold i think man in black is just some sort of charles manson (laughs) Um, yeah so he's just very good at that and i don't think I really don't think he has any sort of supernatural yeah. hold yeah. on to someone he's just like Charles Manson he yeah. Charles Manson got people to kill for him yeah he wasn't even there I think it's that sort of yeah, thing yeah I would agree I would say well on on the Saeed and Claire front that Claire's just batshit crazy she has but whereas Saeed obviously he's had this thing that kind of has made him evil I said this in the last forecast I do not believe that Saeed is evil because of the man in black. I think it's maybe something that similar to what made the man in black evil as well, but not, they're not, it's not man in black having a hold over him. Saeed has his own motivations. As we'll find out now in this episode, his motivations are solely the man in black has told him that he can get her loved one back. Mm-hmm. Still really don't know whether that's Nadia or Shannon. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who cares? And, uh, and the same with Claire. She's just actually crazy. Um, what I would say on the manipulation front is there's no superpower. There's no supernatural ability. If there was, they would have told us. What it is, is both Man in Black and Jacob, they have 2,000 years of experience of human beings and how they act. All human beings, we all like to think that we are individuals and different, but the fact is we all behave the same. We're all basically the same. And Man in Black and Jacob just know how to they know how people react to them. They know how people behave, what they what their drives are, what mm-hmm. they what they want to do, and they both just have a lot of experience. They both just have a hell of a lot of experience with how how to get people to do what you want. Fair enough. Back at Locke's camp, Hurley and Sawyer are discussing Widmore being over on Hydra Island and how Widmore has a submarine. Kate is telling uh, Sun the plan now, according to Sawyer, uh, to avoid group huddles. Hurley asks about Saeed, but Sawyer counters that Saeed isn't invited due to, quote, going over to the dark side. And Hurley mentions Anakin coming back from the dark side, but Sawyer doesn't seem to know what he's talking about before quickly telling Hurley to keep his mouth shut. Of course, that's another Star Wars reference. You guys just referenced it earlier, and I'm going to throw in something of my own here. I did an article once. Uh, about a year or two ago on uh, the fact site where I listed a bunch of uh, uh, Star Wars references in Lost. So people can go check that out if they want. Um, 
Claire then approaches them, and they all greet each other before noticing Locke and Jack have also returned. And Locke says how nice it is seeing everyone together again. And this is the kind of moment where I would agree with what you guys said earlier about not necessarily liking, um, you know, Locke, Man in Black, whatever. But I also do really like it because, like, you guys referenced Charles Manson before. And I... As a character, like obviously Charles Manson, real person, terrible things, so on and so forth. But as a fictional character, I like when somebody is like that evil, but like clearly is just like saying these nice things and has, you know, like a smile on. But deep down, you know, like, yeah, you're kind of being a piece of shit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree. Quickly on the Star Wars reference, I'm a little bit upset. That Sawyer was like, who's Anakin? I mean, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I would have hoped Sawyer knew who Anakin was. Um, but... <laughs> Sawyer referenced Star Wars previously in the show, so yeah. Yeah, yeah he should have done. Um, and then, yeah, on that that point, uh, so nice to have everybody back together again. Uh, I think, again, that was another, like the, like the Jack and Claire moment a second ago. It was just the writers pointing out to the viewers like how long it's been since all the main sort of surviving survivors are back together again. Uh, and even for the, for the, the non-casual viewer, just remind, just in case you'd, you'd not, it not quite clicked, but you basically, you've got everybody together now. It's sort of like now they're all together. This is the, like most TV shows when people are separate and they come together, this is, this is the beginning of the final straight uh, into the finale now that everyone's back together. And see, it's funny because like you, like you've said in the past, Andy, about not liking the writing so much. And I would agree. That's very much like the writers kind of speaking to us as the audience, but I do kind of like that moment as well, where it's like, Hey, just in case you forgot, you know, and like little breaking the fourth wall type moments. Yeah. Yeah. In the flash sideways, Sawyer and Kate are at the police station. Sawyer wants to speak with the woman that he brought in, which is Kate, of course. He reads her name and all of her charges, including murder, and he says that she doesn't look like the murdering kind, and she responds that she isn't. He asks if she remembers him from the airport, which she does, and he says about it being weird that they were both there on the same flight in the same elevator, and now they meet up again. And she asks if he's hitting on her, but he says how it had never worked between the two of them. She asks why he didn't arrest her in LAX when he saw her in handcuffs, but he claims he doesn't remember that. All he remembers is a pretty lady who needed the door held open. And Kate comments that she thinks he didn't do anything because he didn't want anyone noticing or knowing sorry, that he was in Australia. They then exchange a bit of a flirting look before Miles gets Sawyer's attention about a homicide at a restaurant. Kimi and his three goons, Korean woman was shot, the boyfriend doesn't speak English. Miles then shows the ATM surveillance shots of Saeed at the scene. And I like this. um, In one of the previous episodes recently, it was this same sort of thing where, you know, and we know why Desmond did it because he's trying to... um, you know, see if Hurley recognizes him when he says, don't you think it's weird that like we were on the same plane and, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, he said the same thing to, to Charlie, you know, we were on the same plane and they're very much playing up this, like definitely trying to evoke from us as the viewers, 
you know, do not mistake coincidence for fate, that standard line that we all know. But I, I like that they're that they're all sort of realizing it when it's one of the things that they never necessarily realized in the original timeline. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that I really like Miles and Sawyer being colleagues. It's one of the best things of season six because I quite like both characters, actually. Can't really remember much about Miles, but I remember really liking him when I watched him. Well, oh, I remember, yeah, when, five. when Sawyer was um, a leader, it yeah. was amazing. Exactly. I loved it. Also, I cried. Um, I'm quite sad we're not doing that Julia and Sawyer episode. No, actually, Julia died, and then Sawyer told Kate that he was about to propose. I literally cried so much. Kara's just speaking out loud so and rem- remembering what happened in Lost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, another thing is I absolutely love Sawyer. Um, Andy, you know, when I watched Sawyer season one, I did not know anything about Lost whatsoever. Sawyer was a Sawyer was a bad person. Sorry, I can't curse. So <laughs> Sawyer was really annoying and. I was like, I hate him so much, and then Andy, Andy was like, no, no, I, I don't hate him, he's a great character, but then I was like, how can you like Sawyer, because he was really awful on the first few episodes when he got well, just beaten like up. Just like Jin, just like Jin, yeah. When he got beaten up, yeah, I also didn't like Jin, yeah. but as time goes, Sawyer has the best character development, I would say, because he's such a great person, especially yeah, I think he has, he I love has, Sawyer. He, has, oh. he does, he has the greatest character development. It's amazing. Oh, I would say from this scene that there's just there's great chemistry between Kate and Sawyer, and in fact, I think Sawyer has chemistry with basically all of the lost characters, <laughs> even the men. To be honest, it's just his charm, and I think I'd have good chemistry with him too. I'd probably probably get rid of you, Cara. I just, approve. Uh, I approve. Just go full on Sawyer. He'd charm charm anyone. Charms me. Oh, he's he's gorgeous. Give me a disappointment in my voice that I know that I'll never be with Sawyer. <laughs> we'll see I, I mean well one who told you you can't curse because you can definitely curse if you want to curse oh that's what Andy said I can't because <laughs> I uh, curse you, all the time Tara swears all, I had to tell her that she Paul don't say that she'll say fuck in every sentence no I wouldn't say <laughs> fuck in every sentence I love Sawyer I really love Sawyer but yeah I just I love Sawyer he's probably one of my favourite characters I like a lot. It's just very interesting. I really love being in this podcast. <laughs> the mur- this murder case is also a perfect one for me because um, I've obviously I watched the uh, the package like two episodes off. Haven't watched them. Come into this one. This murder case follows directly on from the podcast I did with my brothers a couple of well a month and a half ago. Yeah. Well, see, it's it's funny though because like like Kara said about you know not liking Jin, not liking Sawyer. And I, to me, that shows, and like you guys both said, one of the best character arcs. And I would definitely agree. And, and that's one of the things, you know, Andy, for as much as we've said over the course of season six, the writing of season six, not that great. But the right, you know, you look at the writing when it comes to that and you go, oh, wait, yeah, Sawyer in season one was horrible. You know, even Ben, when we first meet him, horrible. Ben's my favorite character, manipulative jerk throughout most of it but he still has these little redeeming things that you see of him you know he still experiences love when he well or lust or whatever you want to call it with Juliet and you know even you know his the love for his daughter and whatever and then you know to see where they end up by the end 
and that is one of to me the the beautiful things about the show is that you know you could take somebody who's never seen the show like yourself Kara and you know have Andy there going no 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 Sawyer's really good and you're just going why and now what'd you say a year later now you're you're talking about the show and you're just like I love this guy who I hated you know however long ago yeah I just can't I just can't believe like how could I hate him is so good yeah I love him so much he does just have a lot of charm but I'll bet you when you go back and you guys rewatch this again at some point, you're you're going to be looking, going, at, you know, at Sawyer, at Jin and whatever and being like, I can't believe they were such assholes at the beginning because you know how they end up. Yeah, it's true. I just, I hate to, being a Jack fan, I hate seeing like this, just this conversation between Sawyer and Kate and there being this flirting and chemistry between them that, because Kate and Jack, for being the, the the main two male and female characters, they had chemistry in season one. Ooh, but yeah, then from I season two it. onwards, there was nothing. There was nothing between them. I was all or, for it. And I don't know whether that was bad writing or it was designed like that. Um, but it's just annoying to see how easily Evangeline Lilly and um, Josh Holloway can sort of like have a lovely scene. Can uh, I be and honest? Then, and then Matthew Fox struggles to have that with. Well, with any of the female characters, really, he kind of just because he's so that? serious. Would you say? Would you say Jack has? Like, Jack has no game, like you. No, he has no game, like me. I've like, managed to land a hottie like I you. just want to say I don't want to. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Kate and Sawyer at all. And um, that cage scene really threw me off. I couldn't remember the rest of that season because but, of that cage scene. But if I remember, I'm not a fan of Kate and Sawyer. No. But you were found a Kate because I remember the first season I you loved, loved Kate. her. You yeah. did love her. And then she turned a bit annoying. She has amazing arms. She is, she's <laughs> bloody you can see that she hits the she hits the gym every day. Oh she she's, was so gorgeous. She is gorgeous. She? But and well, and we had uh, we had Andrew. Well Andrew and Autumn stayed with us last weekend and my brothers came over for dinner. And because uh, I, I unfortunately I, I didn't manage to meet Evangeline early, but I know Andrew, Anthony Arthur and uh, Kelly, they they went to see her in London, and I what, what was it Andrew saying? Like, imagine Lily waved at Anthony or someone, and Anthony just he was just like, well, you know, like a girl at the front of their favorite One Direction gig in the front row, <laughs> and Anthony just got all flushed and uh, didn't know what to say. But I would as well. I mean, she's just one. She's a gorgeous lady, isn't she? She's not as gorgeous as my wife here, but. He's the second good most gorgeous. Save, good well. save. He's the second most gorgeous. Good save. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we talk a bit about mythology and medical stuff and so much more in this episode of Lost with Friends. But as you may be aware, Lost with Friends is coming to an end. However, you get the chance to help steer where we're going next. And you can do that exclusively at patreon.com slash clockshelves. That's patreon.com slash clockshelves. We have multiple tiers there, all different benefits with each tier. On the $1 tier, you can vote for a mythology-based show such as Heroes Among Us. Uh, 
Heroes is a widely popular show from around the same time as Lost, very mythology-based, very character-based as well, similar to Lost, and it's loved by various people who love Lost, who have even been on Lost with friends. One of them is actually my co-host on the show, Liam. You know him, you love him from this, and his YouTube channel, Hazard Time. We decided to team up and do a pilot called Heroes Among Us, where we go through episodes of Heroes. But here's the kick. He's seen Heroes. I never have. So you get to experience me experiencing the show for the very first time. Another show that we're doing uh, potentially is Amazing Grays. If you like medical stuff and you like characters from the same network as Lost, the same creative time as Lost, uh, Amazing Grays covering the entirety of Grays Anatomy. I actually sit down and we go over some stuff about the first few episodes of Grays Anatomy, talk about those characters, all sorts of stuff. It's really great. We get really in-depth into some stuff. Maybe I went a little too much into the weeds, but we get into the meat of the first few episodes of Grey's Anatomy. So if you like medical stuff and characters, that's the show for you. And if you like characters and you like epic and you like movies, each episode of Lost is like a mini movie every week. Am I right? If you like all of that sort of stuff, various uh, uh, actors and creative forces from Lost and all of your other favorite things, then you want to check out our discussions on the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the show MCU and Me. That's right. MCU and Me is that show. Uh, We have that pilot up as well. And you can uh, potentially vote for any one of those at the $1 tier. You could spare a dollar, and if you'd like to spare four dollars, you could have gotten this episode of Lost with Friends, and all future episodes of Lost with Friends, and episodes of Paul and All early. For eight dollars, you could listen to those three pilots that you're voting on at the one dollar tier, and even for fifteen dollars, you get video uh, things. You want to see me do the Bean Boozled Challenge? I bet you do. Fifteen dollars, and the best part is, if there's only certain things you want, you can do a one-time payment and then stop, you can continue to pay every month at the different tiers and you get access to all sorts of exclusive things early and it helps support us, it helps support this show, and it helps support everything that we've been doing and will continue to do here at Clock Shelves Entertainment. So if you have a few extra bucks here in America, it's tax time. We know you got a little bit extra, so chuck some dough if you choose to do so over at patreon.com slash clock shelves enough from me about that let's get back to me and the other guys doing the rest of this show back on the island at Locke's camp kate and jack are looking at saeed kate mentions how saeed is different but jack counters that they're all different now jack says Locke wants them all to leave together but he's not sure if he believes it yet uh zoe then cocks a gun and walks right into the camp asking for the man in charge Hurley questions who she is, and Sawyer informs him that she's Widmore's second-in-command. And Locke comes out and says that, uh, or he comes out and he and Zoe exchange words. She wants what Locke took, but Locke claims not to know what she's talking about. She reaches into her pocket and pulls out a walkie-talkie, asking if someone has the, uh, on the other end has a fix on her position. A whistle and a loud explosion are then heard as everyone but Locke flinches. She then informs Locke that he has until midnight or the next time they'll hit the camp before throw it, before she throws Locke the walkie-talkie. 
Zoe walks off, but Locke throws the walkie-talkie down and smashes it with the stick that he had been fashioning earlier. And then he says, here we go. Yeah, I would just say two things. If you want to hear my, I'm not going to go into Zoe here. I'm sure Cara will have something to say, but if you want to listen to my rant, go back to the package. I think it's probably about 20 minutes in. You have a good 10 minute rant from me and my brothers about her there. Um, and the second point on the same front is I actually, I, w- I was physically a little bit annoyed watching this episode when I realized Zoe hadn't died yet and she was still alive and I had to watch her again. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was a very cringy scene. She couldn't, I would say the actor could not act that scene because it was just, oh, it was such a pain watching it. It was very cringy as if, like, the explosion felt fake, the scene felt fake. Just no, no. She's a weird glasses lady. I don't like her. Yeah, Loss has never been good with explosions and CGI. No, no, it's not not even about that. It's about... The explosion's fine. I got really scared watching the black smoke in season one. Yeah. But this is, like, just badly written, badly acted by the actor. Because she was trying to be cool, but she mm. didn't work, hun. Sorry. But on that front, Lost doesn't need to do explosions. I don't know why it, it, in this final season it brings in a lot more of these sorts of things. It doesn't need to do it. <laughs> well, but one thing I will say is I did <laughs> the, the last thing you said there about, about Flock hitting the walkie. I was just thinking, I can just imagine there's an outtake somewhere of how many times it took Terry O'Quinn with a stick to try and hit that walkie because I can just imagine always <laughs> missing him always missing it until he finally breaks it. Yeah. Well, I would I would disagree with your thought about they don't need explosions because realistically they have this larger-than-life being. Not really. A, I mean, he's a character, but, you know, he's the smoke monster. So... We've seen he's been, I don't want to say frightened by explosions before, you know, but like there is this sort of thing of like, well, how do you take something like that down or scare him or scare everybody else into making him do the, you know, because if everybody else says, well, you know, lock, lock, we need to do this. Maybe he'll, you know, kowtow to there. That's not obviously not what happens, but I would I would disagree that they didn't need explosions because it kind of drives the point home. Like how else is Widmore going to try to intimidate? You know what I mean? Yeah. I also just found out I was watching I'm watching a different series now and one of the actors that was on there was on The West Wing. I would I I'm going to guess neither of you have necessarily seen The West Wing, but one of the main characters from The West Wing, the actor is actually married to the woman that plays Zoe in real life. I literally just found that out last night, the night before this recording, and I was like, "Oh, because she's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Because um, Andy said, you can't be that bad of an actor. You wouldn't get any jobs. I and then I Googled her. But she was, yeah, she, she, she was in a lot of... She still is in a lot of things, yeah. I think. But it was just... Probably Disney know, Channel or something. Hey, hey, don't that. knock Disney <laughs> Channel. <laughs> Remember who you're talking to. Don't yeah, knock Disney just, Channel. <laughs> Uh, in the flash sideways Claire enters a building and gets directions to the adoption agency Desmond then approaches her and asks if she remembers him she does and he introduces or she introduces herself sorry he introduces himself wow before noticing her name Claire Littleton on the sign-in sheet 
She tells him how uh, she briefly ended up in the hospital, but she's all good now. And she tells him that he was right. The baby is a boy. And he mentions, realizing that it's personal, that she's going to the adoption agency alone. Uh, she says that uh, or he quickly real- realizes that he meant uh, legal representation and he's on his way to see his lawyer. She says she doesn't have money for a lawyer. But as they get on the elevator, presses the 15th floor, he says he will help her with the cost of the lawyer. She seems to feel pressured, but accepts his offer. And a moment later, uh, he they enter an office and he wants to speak with Miss Verdansky. And they wait a moment before Ilana, with an American accent, comes out to greet him. Desmond introduces Ilana and Claire, and Ilana perks up recognizing Claire's name, asks if she's from Australia, and says that she wishes to speak with Claire alone for a moment before taking Claire into another room. So, if I'm not mistaken, this is actually the last appearance overall in the show for Ilana, but um, still interesting to see her here in the Flash Sideways. Didn't think that was, personally, when it was happening, I didn't think that was going to be a thing. But we see Desmond on his continued crusade here. Andy, I know your thoughts on Desmond, but Cara, what do you think of Desmond as a character? I love Desmond so much. I love him so much. He's such a charmer. I love him, uh, but mainly because he's Scottish and he's just cheeky. And uh, I love Desmond. I love Desmond. Desmond and Penny, I really like. You're gonna give us your uh, your best Scottish impression, honey. <laughs> I've got to get my honour back. That's what I'm running to. Desmond, you can't not like Desmond. He he is so interesting to watch, and I really like him and Penny. I cried um, when they were on the phone. All of you, Penny. Yeah, Desmond is great, but when I was watching this episode, I did think Desmond is very sweet, but he's also a bit creepy. (laughs) Why? I did. I just thought. I just thought in it this bit he was. A bit creepy. Like, really? Well, I, yeah, no, I, I agree. In this kind of second half of season six, he's very creepy because he has information that they don't have. And unlike Ben, where he's trying to manipulate, like Ben comes off as creepy too when he has the same thing. He has information that they <laughs> yeah. don't have. And he's just like manipulating everybody and he has a creepiness to him. But Desmond's yeah. creepiness comes off different because Desmond is like attractive, charming, creepy, more like a Kimi. Yeah, just being yeah, cheeky, but I just yeah. think I just think obviously as a viewer we know that Desmond only has the best intentions, mm-hmm. so it's really not. So it's you don't really think of it as creepy. But if you were Claire or someone I here, a bit creeped out, or like yeah. you were just somebody watching this, like it would be the creepiest <laughs> thing in the world because you would like not knowing whether his intentions were were right or not. Or even Claire is like, is this guy got good yeah, intentions or bad intentions? Yeah, that's why I wrote. Like, how can Claire say no to that? He was literally charming her. And I recognise the lawyer's face, and I'm not a lost fan. I just wanted to put it out there. That was I what Paul was saying. Her, Ilana. Lawyer's that was face. Ilana, yeah. yeah. I don't know what she was. But... Yeah, she was... Uh, I don't know. She. Well, I think it's been commented a lot of times. She was sort of supposedly going to be written in as Jacob's daughter but they never actually made that reveal but she was a bit of a bit of a uh, Jacob disciple okay so you guys did your uh, your Desmond impressions and I feel like that like that right there other than you know marriage and whatever I feel like that 
Kara, is what solidifies you as a Cornforth being on this show. Because I feel like every Cornforth <laughs> has done their Desmond. And it's always like those particular lines. So Kara has solidified herself as being, you know, a Cornforth and worthy of being on this show because she did that <laughs> that impression right that there. That is to be celebrated. <laughs> what? Being a Cornforth? Yeah. <laughs> She's being a bitch. She's... <laughs> But yeah, we do it all the time. I love Desmond. Do you actually know anyone who doesn't like Desmond? It's just, you can't no. not like Desmond. No. You can't. Desmond is great. What's your problem with being a cornforth? Mm, where do I start? <laughs> okay, hello everybody and welcome to the breakup episode of Paul and All. Really good. Really? She just hates that I've got a basic white family. Because like lost fans are We are, we are. We are probably stereotypically like white. Yeah. Okay, I'm just and... uh, what what do you call it? Digging myself in the hole. Well, yeah. That's what we're we're doing should... <laughs> I'm amazing Asian, by the way. Actually I'm not. I'm like really cool and amazing. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just enjoying listening to uh... the two of you, so <laughs> Back on the island, Locke is beginning a speech as Claire uh, asks Hurley what's going on. Locke mentions all of this being sooner than he thought. But Widmore's people have forced their hand. They're claiming Locke and company stole something trying to provoke them, and they'll get confrontation if that's what they want. But obviously he's lying to them. He then instructs them to gather their things before telling Sawyer, James as he calls him, that he needs help. He tells Sawyer about a boat a few hours down the shore, take it, and meet the rest of them on the other side of the bluffs. They'll all sail over to Hydra Island together. Sawyer asks why the whole group is go- isn't going for the boat, but Locke tells him that they'll all move slower. Sawyer wants uh, help, and Locke tells him to take who he wants, and Sawyer wants Kate. She agrees. Locke sends them off before talking with Saeed. Do we have anything we want to say about that before I get to... Uh... Just that there, well, I was going to say, just that there was this shot there of Hurley and Claire next to each other, and they have exactly the same hair, just a little bit of different <laughs> colour. Like, it's really, really, the same length, really curly and really messy. And I just thought, they've done that shot on, pur- they've done that shot on purpose to just show that their hair being so similar. Okay, um, I just want to say that brainwashed Saeed makes me really sad. Yeah, it does. But as we'll find out later, he's kind of, he's not really brainwashed. He gives he's just had, he's had some, he's had some soul sure. re- removed from him. Oh yeah, he yeah, died. But he's still, he's, he doesn't really have any motivational drives other than he's trying to get soul removed. But he's not brainwashed. Well, I'm sorry. I just used that word because a normal viewer of Lost, that's... Well, no, but that's but but that goes along with what I said earlier about some people think you know that there's some sort of uh, supernatural type element to it. Jack notices them talking before Sawyer approaches uh, Jack for assistance. Uh, they walk off. Sawyer then tells Jack that they're not meeting back up with Locke. Because Sawyer has a deal with Widmore, and first chance Jack gets, come meet them, and he points out a spot on the map. He says there's a dock, and to bring Hugo, Son, and Lapidus. Sawyer and Kate will meet them there, 
Jack asks about Saeed and Claire, but Sawyer clarifies that Saeed is a zombie and Claire is nuts. She forfeited her rescue when she tried killing Kate. He once again says to not on, or to only bring Hugo, Son, and Frank. Jack questions how he's supposed to break away from Locke, but Sawyer knows Jack will find a way. Kate and Sawyer then leave. Uh, with Locke and Saeed, Locke wants Saeed to get Desmond and kill him. He says, or he asks Saeed if this will be a problem, and if Saeed still wants what he asked Locke for, and Saeed confirms that he does, Locke then instructs him to go kill Desmond. I was just noticing sort of Jack and Sawyer's relationship as it evolves, pro- probably real like for one another. Sawyer has lost a little bit of respect, very much a professional relationship there, being like, being like yeah, Sawyer can help him. They see each and other's Sawyer, usefulness. Yeah, and Sawyer knows that Jack can help him. So there's a problem. Yeah, I just want to say I'm team Sawyer. Yeah. All <laughs> Sawyer, Sawyer, Sawyer. Jack can go away. Yeah. He's not a very good character. He started off really strong. I really liked him. Last few episodes of season one. But after that, I just, just like he's just the main character. I don't know why you like Jack. Because he's just, he is lost. Well, okay, Andy, have you ever told her that originally Locke was your favorite until you went back and watched it and realized, no, Jack is the main character, therefore he's my favorite? No, Locke, 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 Locke was, was my favorite. Locke was never my overall favorite. Really? My, Sawyer was my favorite. For the first, like, not until Lost finished, Sawyer uh-huh. was still my favorite. And only Jack became my favorite maybe a year after Lost finished. And I just I've rewatched it a few more times and you just, as you real, I realized... Obviously, Lost is as a whole TV show that I love. And when you realize that this show is about Jack from the first episode to the last, it just gives me a bigger appreciation for his character and his art. Yes, he's got his downfalls. Yes, maybe he's not as charming as Sawyer. Maybe he's a bit serious a lot of the time. Maybe he, he has no game. Maybe, yeah, maybe like he doesn't really treat anybody like friends. And yeah, he. he He's a bit, he messes things up. He does all this. But at the end of the day, he is lost. He is, the show was about him. And without him, it would be nothing. Whereas you could lose all the other characters and lost. Yeah, but that would be like saying, and and this is a show that I'm not a fan of, but that would be like saying uh, Walter White has, or not has to be your favorite character, but it makes sense if he was your favorite character on Breaking Bad. He's a he's a, a good guy who ends up being a bad guy by the end of the show. He is the main point of the show, but that doesn't mean he necessarily has to be your favorite character. No, I agree, but like I have lots of favorite characters. I just I don't I don't know, it's just I I, I feel like when people say they don't like Jack, you just it's just, just a ridic- it's just a ridiculous statement like, because he's boring and yes, he's the one who binds the whole show together, but He's boring. He he doesn't have a good character development. He, he has a fantastic character development. He's no, he was really good, and then he had a downfall and he came back up again. But but then he looks really old in the end, so he's not attractive anymore. It's he doesn't. Just... Matthew Fox does not age well. But he but he is. This is what and I mean again. He has but... a son, which I find really weird. No, a... no, no, no. I don't like any of that son thing. Yeah, I know what the, you mean. No. Um, but like he started that man of science, he followed, he pursued it so hard. He then got completely broken, 
and then he came you back. You sound like you love Jack so much. I do. And it's funny that how much I love his character development because, uh, and I voiced this on the on the show before, and obviously, Kara was Kara was uh, brought up Muslim in Indonesia. So I also I'm not going to go anywhere too far now here, but especially myself being very very much a man of science, I often question some for some sometimes why. I have such a connection with Lost and why I enjoy the, oh, destined, the destiny moments so much because <laughs> in reality, it's I, I, I couldn't feel strongly about how much bollocks all of that is. But for some reason, when it comes to Lost and when it comes to Jack, when it comes to Lot, when it comes to the island, I love all that stuff so, so much. Are you trying to say you're pretty much Jack in real life? No, I'm not trying to compare myself to Jack. I'm just trying to... Only when you dress up like him when you're on the island. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I saw the so, photo. <laughs> well, Kara says I saw the photo. What she's not actually saying is that in our flat in London, I've actually got it hanging up. <laughs> yeah, we have to redo it because he's smiling. He's laughing that photo and it's, yeah. not, it's not the right look. It's taken quite a while. That every so often I bring out a new piece of lost memorabilia and put it somewhere. And then she eventually she knows, <laughs> what's, what's going on here? It's like, because I'm not allowed. Like, well, when we get a bigger place, I'm, I'm obviously going to have, have my own, like, man pad, which is going to have, obviously, an entire lost shrine in it with all my stuff. But I'm not really allowed that at the moment. So there's just bits and bobs going around. I got, you, I got you a little jack yeah, for she Christmas. Had, got, my best Christmas present was, was one of those little, you know those little toys with the massive heads? The Funko Pops, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Kara got me a Jack one of that to, to go with my Jacob and Man in Black. So those three sort of sit underneath the TV. I've got with with my Dharma nineteen seventy seven Jeep. And I got a few and I got a Lost Stand. Doctor Edgar Halliwax. You've got a bobblehead for him. A bobblehead of him holding a bunny. Yeah, we've got the Lost Sand, the sand from the beach camp, got pictures of Hawaii up and about. But it's all it's all dotted around so that Kara doesn't feel like she's getting trapped too much into the into the lost lifestyle but she's on a podcast she's on a podcast now so she's she's in it forever i think she's she, i can see it in her eyes that she's going to beg to start a new rewatch after we get off the off the phone but it's it's funny though how much you said like because you know as as you've talked about you know previously you know you're an atheist. I am not. You know that. That's one of the things that we, you know, disagree on. We've talked about in the past. But it is funny how, like you said, you identify very much with Jack, who goes from this man of science to the man of faith. And I do agree. And I'm saying this as a not Jack fan. I do think Jack has one of the best character arcs in the entire series, arguably the best. I still don't necessarily um, like him that much as a character. But it's funny how you know, I am more of a, a man of faith than you are, but I, I still don't necessarily like him as a character, despite the fact that that's where his journey ends up. While you were saying that, that's all I was thinking was, it's funny how you and I have different beliefs and we come at these things from different angles. And I, like I said, I think that's one of the things that makes us friends. And one of the beautiful things about Lost is how it can draw all of these different people from all walks of life and make them feel things that they even question in themselves. Well, why do I feel this way when it's not what I believe or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. A bit later, Saeed approaches the well with a gun in his hand. Uh, Desmond is down there, and he asks what Locke offered Saeed. He thinks he deserves to know if it's worth Saeed killing him. 
And Saeed claims that Locke can get something back that he lost. The woman he loved, uh, he loved, she died in his arms. And Desmond asks uh, why Saeed thinks Locke can do this. And Saeed claims that Locke brought him back. Desmond questions what Saeed will tell this woman when she asks how he did it, what he did to get them back together. What will Saeed tell her? And I think that's a, a beautiful moment. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, how whatever you want to believe is going on with Saeed, it does kind of snap him, you know, as we find out later, it does kind of snap him out of, you know, he's not completely soulless. He's not, you know, completely enthralled by whatever it is that's making him evil or, you know, dark side or whatever, like that right there, Desmond is, is bringing that kind of good quality back out in him or at least reminding him that it exists and of course the standard who does he mean Nadia or Shannon which you know everybody has their own opinions on that but yeah I I think that's a it's a an incredibly short moment like a short scene but I think it's done incredibly well and just further shows kind of Desmond's ability in any spot he is to kind of bring some of these characters back to reality in a weird roundabout way. Yeah, I agree. And so touching on that, Nadia or Shannon for you? Me for me. Yeah. Well, it's difficult, right? Because if the most important time in their lives was this, then Shannon logically makes sense. In terms of his life, Nadia makes sense. I don't necessarily have a feeling of it one way or the other, but that's, I mean, I just, I always look at it and like, sometimes I'll go, no, yeah, they make, like when, if somebody makes an argument for Shannon, I could be like, yeah, that makes sense. But if somebody makes an argument for Nadia, I can go, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. So for me, I think it'd be Nadia, but, but obviously Shannon in the church with Saeed at the end, it, it probably is meant to be her, but in my opinion, yeah. I, just, I don't think Saeed no. but one night stand. She was, I, yeah, it was a one night stand. And I also, I also don't really see any place for Shannon in the church at the end. To be She's honest an with you. Awful, she was awful. And she, she did was nothing. Really annoying. She wasn't yeah. a particularly good person. She was a bit of a brat. Mm-hmm. Well, she, didn't she didn't contribute anything, shit. Yeah. She just, like, I don't see how she did anything of any relevance for the island. I think. And she's incestuous. Andy, you know it's really funny for was... me to hear you talking badly about Shannon, right? Yeah, I know, I know. We've had a really... me and Shannon go back or back away, but fourteen-year-old <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy and twenty-seven-year-old oh. Andy are different people. Okay. I used to have a bit of a crush on Shannon. Yeah, I oh, know. Oh, you can hear all about it oh in a previous episode. Yeah, you have to listen to my previous episodes when but that's come Shannon's up. Shannon's awful. She is awful. I don't know whatever came oh over me. Oh, God. I don't know what came over me. Okay. She's quite, and the actor is quite attractive. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like Shannon. No, I don't like Shannon either. She's my least favorite character. She's weird. After she? Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
In the flash sideways, Saeed rushes to his brother's house. Nadia smiles upon seeing him, asking what happened as he's grabbing a suitcase, and he tells her that they'll all be okay now. He took, uh, he took care of everything, but he has to leave, and he'll never be able to come back again. The doorbell rings, and Saeed asks for her to stall, and uh, she keeps asking what he did. Then she goes to the door and asks who's there. Miles yells that it's LAPD. She wants confirmation, which he shows her, and he asks her to open the door. Once she does, he wants to ask her a few questions, but he sees the suitcase as Saeed leaves through the back door. However, Saeed is tripped by a hose, which Sawyer has, uh, is holding, and he handcuffs Saeed, placing him under arrest. And this would definitely go along with what you were saying about Nadia and the people, a lot of people who have that feeling is almost any time he says anything about the woman he loved and getting her back in season six, we flash uh, almost every time we flash to a sideways thing where it's him and something to do with Nadia. So like I said, when people make that argument, I understand but like I said, by the same argument of the most important time of their lives, blah, 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 blah. When he's with Shannon at the church in the end, I can I can understand that. So, yeah, uh, I didn't really write much down here other than I do think they they wrote the sideline, the sideways characters quite well, sort of in line with the the season one profiles of the characters. But just. I wrote another note down about the scene before, which I forgot to mention, but I don't know if anybody else notices when watching this, that when Saeed and Desmond are speaking to each other in the well, they're playing the Sawyer and Juliet theme. And I just, I just don't understand why they, why they put that in there. Very strange. I've actually never noticed that. So um, if anybody else has, or if anybody has thoughts on it, obviously at the end we'll give you ways to get in contact because I'm very interested because a lot of people have that similar thought that we've all said, you know, the three of us and many of our other friends have said that, you know, how important music is to the show. Yeah. So I'm very interested to hear uh, other people's thoughts on that. Well, just because uh, I'm a big fan of Michael Giacchino and his scores throughout Lost, and they very, very rarely play the wrong piece at a point in time. And I just, this was the time when I noticed, you know, this piece of music does not fit this scene at all. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, back on the island, Sawyer and Kate have made it to the boat out in the water. She asks him about going to get Locke, but Sawyer says that's not the plan. Jack, Hurley, Son, and Frank will be meeting them. Kate questions why Claire isn't in the list, and Sawyer says Claire isn't coming because the Claire that Kate came back for no longer exists. Kate mentions how she promised to bring Claire back, but Sawyer counters that Claire has been drinking Locke's Kool-Aid. She's too dangerous, and she shouldn't be around Aaron. And uh, they then swim to the boat. Um, you know, we referenced Charles Manson earlier, so of course we get another uh, sort of uh, serial killer reference there with the Kool-Aid thing. I always like that, but I, I like you know, for whatever people feel about Kate, and we know there are a lot of uh, Kate haters and Kate lovers out there, I do like that she came back to the island for a purpose, and for better or worse, she's determined for that, because above all, even as we find out in the sideways, for her, one of her sort of triggers for the awakening was her love for Aaron, 
And I like that that's one of the, the things that they kind of instilled in her character in like the second half of the series. Yeah, I like that Kate came back for a purpose to get Claire. But then I feel like the purpose is completely thrown out the water as soon as Kate meets Claire in I think the second episode yeah. of this series and realizes she's batshit crazy and a waste of space and she can never look after a kid. I feel like Kate at that point should drop her motivation for coming back. But for some reason, it just... She keeps going strong. She keeps trying to. I suppose that's well, it's a good guilt, right? I suppose that's maybe what a yeah, good friend, a good what a good friend is supposed to do. She's supposed to be there to try and help Claire through it. But if it was me, obviously I'm a terrible person. Uh, <laughs> I would have just, oh, she's fucking bad. She's crazy. The kid's better off with me, so yeah, I would but... just drop it and then try and then leave it. But yeah. you know what's really good about Kate in this particular scene? Her flared jeans. It's so trendy now. It's coming back. Yeah. They always say fashion goes in waves. What's this? 2010. Kate is a good person. Yeah. I would say. Kate's a great person. Kind of. She just doesn't always make the right decisions, but she's always got the best intentions. Did she not kill his dad? Did she not kill her dad? Yeah, but her dad was a terrible person for her mum. Oh, okay. Anyway. But I mean, with you were saying about Kate's motivations, it's guilt, right? Like, yeah, you know, logically you might say, oh, well, she's not the right fit, but she still feels guilty for everything that she did. That's why she was having like those dreams and everything, you know, off island and whatever. So that, you know, guilt can be a very powerful thing. Yeah. But I don't think she truly feels guilty or like she knows deep down that this if it played out again, the same scenario, she'd have done exactly the same thing. So you can't feel too guilty in that scenario. Like, you know, she Claire disappeared. She had Kate. There was a helicopter. She needed to get... She was looking out for the best interests of not just herself, but obviously more so Aaron. And if it all happened again, she would have left with Aaron and she would have brought him up. So I don't think she feels too guilty, but I know what you mean in the grand... But she does still feel a little bit of guilt because, unfortunately... Claire was unable to, to raise him. Yeah. Back with Locke's group. He's leading them through the jungle. Jack and Claire talk as Jack asks uh, her how long she's been with Locke and if she trusts him. She says that since the day everybody else left and that she does because he's the only one who didn't abandon her. Locke points out where the rest of them should go as he talks with Sun asking if she's seen Saeed. Sun doesn't answer before writing on her notepad how he did this to her, but he won't accept the blame before mentioning that Sawyer should be on his way as well. Uh, Locke tells them all to keep moving to the beach and he'll meet them there. Cindy asks where he's going and he claims to want to be sure that no one was left behind. Jack then watches Locke leaving before calling to Hurley and Sun. Jack, Hurley, Sun, and Lapidus gather together with Claire watching them from afar. Jack informs them that they're uh, going but he has no time to explain. Hurley mentions Sawyer's plan, but Jack informs him that this is Sawyer's plan. Jack, son, Hurley, and Frank run as Claire angrily watches them. Yeah, everyone loves a good lost marching scene. Unfortunately, because it was led by Flock, we didn't get Giacchino's theme. Um, I still think son not being able to speak, like, it's been like three episodes now. It's a, it's a bit overkill. <laughs> Um, and then my last point is, God, Frank's hairy chest. Don't you love it? Mm. Kikara hates me for having a hairy chest. And I'm just there, like, look at Frank. Like, when I'm 50, 
Don't you want me to wear a Hawaiian shirt with my grey gray chest hair popping out the top? Not really. It'll make your knees quiver. <laughs> I mean, Frank is the epitome of what you any just man... You like his chest hair. Any... I don't yeah, understand but... why. But he's also just a cool, a damn cool guy. Yeah, but it? you like him for his chest hair. No, I don't. I like him for being a cool guy and the chest hair comes with it. Okay. And I just think the way the way he wears an, a shirt and the way, he, the way he masquerades around the place, I think... He's just he's just a cool guy and he's what every guy probably wants to be when they're around fifty. <laughs> okay. Not too long though for you. Not too long for me, no. I'm closer to the fifty okay, than I am. Don't, please, zero. Can we please not? Because I'm older than he is, yeah. so could we not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm already I'm 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 turning thirty this year. I'm already feeling it, alright? Oh. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere in the jungle, Saeed is walking back with the gun in his hand. Locke approaches and asks where he's been, but Saeed says he did what was asked of him. He was delayed because he shot an unarmed man and needed a moment. Locke asks if Desmond is dead, and Saeed confirms, offering for Locke to go check for himself. Locke says about catching their boat before walking off. And again, just a very brief scene, but it's you know slowly showing kind of that, that turn back for Saeed, which, you know, Andy, you've said since the beginning of this season, you hate what they did with Saeed's character. I feel like in these little doses to kind of show this little bit of a turn, I don't know, I don't want to say it redeems everything for the whole season, but I do kind of like these little moments with him. Yeah, but because because Naveen Andrews is like, he's been told to play everything like extremely deadpan and not give any emotion. As a viewer, it's very hard to understand where his motivations lie, what his thoughts are. So obviously we're critiquing this episode. Are we supposed to think now that what Desmond said to him, thinking, do you really think a love, you're going to bring his loved one back? Are we supposed to think that that is now resonated with Saeed and he's started to think a little bit more logically about, you know what, I'm not going to be able to get her back. So now maybe his motivations change a little bit. I I just find it very difficult to follow Saeed's trait. Well, I think that's the point, right? Is we're supposed to question on one hand, we've been led to believe this entire season that he's, you know, incredibly evil, he's soulless, he's, you know, under Locke's control or whatever. So on one hand, we're supposed to think that all he's motivated by is Locke telling him to do things and getting this loved one back. But then on the other hand, we're, we're supposed to then question in this moment, well, wait, did Desmond get through to him? Is our old Saeed coming back? And I, I mean, I don't disagree. A lot of the stuff earlier, he was very deadpan, but I feel like that hesitation at the well, and just the fact that he even says to Locke, I needed a moment. If he was completely, you know, under Locke's control, I don't think a man like that would need a moment after killing someone, especially since Saeed has been so brutal with so many things in his life. I think that was supposed to show us like, hey, wait, you should be questioning things now. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, with Jack and company, they're running along the shore going to the meeting point. Lapidus mentions man in black being faster than them. And Hurley notices the boat as Kate and Sawyer notice them as well. They all get on the boat with Lapidus asking if they're sailing home, but Sawyer says they can't. They can only leave via submarine. Claire then emerges from the jungle with a rifle. Uh, Kate tries calming her, telling Claire that they're leaving. 
Claire wants to know why they're not waiting for Locke, but Kate reminds her that that isn't actually Locke. But Kate offers for Claire to join them and get her back to Aaron. Sawyer argues this, but Kate shuts him down by saying if Claire doesn't go, she's not going either. And Claire mentions how Locke promised her, but Kate cuts her off saying she's promising. She raised Aaron and she shouldn't have. She wants to reunite them and she came back for Claire uh, and she wants to bring Claire home. Claire lowers the gun as Sawyer invites her onto the boat. Kate takes the gun as Claire says Locke is going to be mad when he finds out. And again, that's what we were saying before about guilt and whatever. It can be an extremely powerful motivator, even though Sawyer makes logical sense of that's not Claire anymore. But again, this could also lend to that theory of Claire's not directly, if you know, if you want to go with that supernatural theory I mentioned earlier, Claire's not directly around Locke, so maybe his grasp on her isn't as strong. Yeah, I think um, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but but Claire is essentially a child now. She's regressed in years. She's whiny. She doesn't really know what's going on. She only really cares about herself. Um, but we should really be. She should really be thanking Kate. I mean, it should not have been Claire to raise Aaron. Thanks. Like even before Claire went crazy. She was not going to be a good mother. She was pretty shit, if we're, if we're being frank. Like, she she didn't know what she was doing. She was really struggling. And I'm sure a lot of mothers are like this first time around. But I don't think she did anything in the first <laughs> three or four seasons to convince me that she was going to be a good mother. And I think, thanks to Kate, Aaron will probably grow up to have less psychological problems than he would have done having Claire as his mother. But I still think Aaron's probably going to be messed up either way. I was going to say, until he gets told, oh, yeah, by the way, this woman that raised you, not your mother, this woman over here actually is. Oh, yeah. um, Speaking about Aaron, you know that Andy um, started writing a book, right? Yeah, I started writing a book a long time ago about trying to be like 20 years on from Lost with all of the other, with like Aaron growing up. Yeah. uh, and then Sun and Jin's so, daughter. Yeah, oh, so cute. Charlie, um, Walt. But I literally I only wrote know that. like. Uh, I literally oh, only wrote. Like, I only wrote like three right, three chapters. It? Not, but like I keep meaning to go back it. to it and write it all. Um, the protagonist isn't actually anybody that we know; just a random guy. But, yeah, but then um, it's but just it's you didn't even show me this. I was literally, I was really angry at you and I sort of checked your phone and I found this and we found it together and then I was like how can you not tell me about this before it's amazing yeah Hmm. he wrote a book well I didn't write a book I wrote three chapters one day I will finish it and obviously I will let everybody in the lost community read it but until that point it stays secret okay but I mean actually you're speaking to uh to um, Paul, it was a very sad time. The first time we went to Lost 2014, Paul, you started writing a, a book or a screenplay on all of us, didn't you? But then you lost it on your laptop. Yes. And I've just... Um, I still have, I still know the basic idea of it. Um, it would be a, you know, like a Lost type show. 
in in a similar sense of like you know grandiose and you know like there's a mythology and everything like that but i i got the the spark after meeting everybody to uh to to have and especially after that beach party in particular but i had this idea of like something for just like a group of you know a group of people similar to lost where it was you know they all came together and they all have to work together and i mean andy you can 100 percent agree with this that's kind of all how we've been since 2014 in various ways we've all you know made friends with you know various people in the the lost community and we've all i mean i i can personally say that everybody that i've had on this show in one way or another and even people that i haven't had on the show have helped me in more ways than any of them will ever know that's very sweet yeah no i would agree we've we've got a strong community cara takes the piss out of me sometimes for being a nerd or quite often but she doesn't it is another way but it's quite amazing what things i suppose not just lost and what anything in the world can do to bring communities to bring like-minded people together have something in common and they can really help 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 other people out like no i i mean i i very much agree like i had people at my at my old job you know i'm not going to go too much into it but i had people at my old job you know, oh, it's it's just a TV show, or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, but like that TV show led me to travel. I've I'd never traveled very far before. I had gone to like Florida and things like that. But realistically, I had never traveled by myself that far for something that I knew little to nothing about in terms of Hawaii and the other people. Obviously, I knew Lost and whatever. But like, I've met, you know, like I still say to this day, like Jake is my absolute best friend. And I know that if I need anything, I can call him. If I need something, I can I can get in touch with you. If I say, I mean, Andy, how many? Or, yeah, how many times have I said like, hey, I need somebody. Can you do the podcast last minute? And it's just like, yeah, give me like a day. Boom, we got it. We got it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like That's that's incredible to me that I've sit. You know, now traveled twice to Hawaii, met people from all over the world who are, you know, some of my best friends to this day, all because of a silly little TV show. My mother, you know, this Andy, my mother's a face and body artist. And like people say, you know, like she has her friends from all over the world and whatever. And, you know, she always says to me, she's like, you know, I'm really glad you found your tribe of people, you know? And like, that's how I look at it is like, we've all sort of found our, our tribe, our people, you know? Yeah. It's very sweet, Paul, but you just called it, a silly little show. I think you should take that. <laughs> I think you should take that back. <laughs> but I mean, well, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it is though. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, I love how Paul's being objective. It's just really lovely. Well, it is. It's just a TV show. Imagine you day. running a podcast. Yeah, I think. Oh, obviously, you've never listened to when he's been because he does try running the podcast. Oh, really? You know, I'm a bit no, on board sometimes. <laughs> no, no, I mean this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, but I totally agree. Um, is at the end of the day, it is just a TV show, but it's what it's the it's a very very good TV show, and there's the oh, absolutely, it's you know, it's my it's my favorite show, and you know, we've all we've all talked about this at various times, but in the grand scheme of, I mean, this show isn't yes, you go, you could get the joke about like Rose in there or whatever, but like this show isn't out there like curing cancer or you know what I mean, like it's not doing anything. It, 
in a literal way to better the world. You know, we all met each other. We all think we're better people because of it and whatever. Yes, technically that is bettering the world. But realistically, this show isn't like making foreign policies or like doing anything like that. You know what I mean? Like in the grand scheme of things, it is a silly little TV show, but it helped bring us all together. And now we all have friends in this great community and, you know, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think it has helped people in more ways than you can think. And uh, like you've spoken about yourself, I think, I mean, I've never I've never had to. I'm lucky. I've never really battled with any mental illness or anything like that. But I I know for a fact that there are lots of lost fans, or even the lost community, who have, who have had to battle with things like this. And lost and the community is something that brings them through it and gets them through it. And for that, I think it it is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking about that earlier today, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's the peep. The, the, the lost is just the enabler. It's the people that, that really help. The, yeah. the community yeah. you can bring, the conversations you can have either with people in person or online. Um, but that's what really helps. And yeah, like that's like that was one of the big and I said this to to one of my cousins was over the other day and I was talking about it. The fact that, you know, just the people in general you know, yeah, you and I, for example, we're friends because of Lost, but we also have like other TV shows, even in terms of like we were saying before, like opposites of like in like religion and stuff, because we're friends. We have that basic of I'm a Lost fan. I'm your friend. We can have a, a conversation without like getting into a shouting match or anything like that. We found other TV shows that we're fans of and just other, you know, uh, we can talk about football we could talk i love to hear your stories about traveling and you know what i mean things like that so yeah like you said it's the enabler it's brought other things yeah all right in the flash sideways jack and david enter a building as jack's phone rings he tells david that it's david's mom who of course we're still keeping a mystery by this point uh before answering and saying that he'll have david home soon after hanging up he tells david that the reading of the will isn't fun but it'll be over soon and it's okay to be sad and david claims that he's just sad for jack a few moments later inside the lawyer's office ilana greets jack and david before asking if they believe in fate she leads them to a conference room and introduces them to Claire Littleton. Jack is surprised that Ilana found her, but Ilana claims that Claire actually found them. Jack says that Claire was in his father's will and asks how they knew each other, and Claire informs Jack that Christian was her father too before he has to take a quick phone call, which he realizes is an emergency surgery and he needs to leave. And it wasn't until rewatching it this time, I guess it's something that I kind of always forget that in both timelines in the same episode, he finds out that Claire is his, not finds out, I guess, but we get the confrontation of them of, hey, we're brother and sister, because obviously he found out earlier, you know, in uh, in the series, but it kind of happens in, in the episode in both things here. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think that they didn't really need to have that conversation earlier, but I suppose... Yeah. Uh, Back in the regular timeline, on the boat, Jack is staring off. Sawyer is steering as Lapidus comes up and asks what the plan is. Sawyer tells him the plan is to get to Hydra Island, talk with Widmore, then commandeer the sub and go home. Lapidus agrees with this idea before going for food. Sawyer gives the wheel to Kate as he's going to go speak with Jack. And he's surprised that Jack showed up at all. Jack isn't good with taking orders, and Jack claims that none of this actually feels right. Leaving the island in particular doesn't feel right. 
He remembers how he felt the last time he was gone, like a piece of him was missing. He then mentions how they were all brought here for a reason, to do something. And if Man in Black wants to leave, maybe that's why they should stay. Sawyer then demands that he gets off the boat. Jack has to decide now if he's with them and stops talking like that, or Jack's going in the water. Jack says this is a mistake, and he believes Sawyer feels it too. He then says the island's not done with us yet. But Sawyer counters that he's done with the island, so Jack's leap of faith can be off the boat. Jack then apologizes for getting Juliet killed before he jumps overboard. Kate freaks out, yelling for him, then asks Sawyer what he said. Uh, But Sawyer says that Jack changed his mind before he goes to take the wheel as Kate keeps asking what happened. Sawyer simply says Jack isn't going with them. When Kate thinks they need to go back for him, Sawyer says succinctly, they're not going back. So we got at least two recurring phrases here. The island's not done with us yet. And, uh, you know, we have to go back. Yeah. I mean, what I noticed was Sawyer still calls Kate freckles long after there's any sort of romantic interest there. It's not something romantic, I wouldn't say. He has nicknames for everyone. No. Freckles is but again, of... I'm not a huge fan of Kate and Sawyer. Yeah. I'm I, just not. I was always a bit of a skater at the time. Um, a bit of a what? Skater. <laughs> Sawyer and Kate. Got skaters uh, and Jason. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Because I've spent a lot of time hating on them and you didn't You didn't say anything First about... time around, I love Sawyer and Kate. Yeah. Oh my God, I hated them. Yeah. I literally... That cage scene made, gave me nightmares for days. Well, like I say, Sawyer's my favourite character when I watched Lost I Lost love Lost. Sawyer, but I didn't like Sawyer and Kate. I wanted mm. Kate and Jack so badly. But anyway, anyway, yeah, going back, like I said at the beginning, and it's a theme through this episode until the end of the season, in these scenarios, Jack remains so calm now. In the past, he would have got so angry. And yep. And it's just, it's a lovely little, it's lovely to see Jack like this, although some, some of Jack's best moments are when he does get angry, when he does like sort of live together dialogue action where he's doing the doing the speeches or or leading them for a battle against the others or something. Um, but then moving on from that, Sawyer's very brutal in his approach to Jack here too because Sawyer, like anybody who's lived on the island for this long, especially with what Sawyer's seen, he knows the island is special. But he wants to leave so much he doesn't respect any of Jack's views. He just he, because Juliet's died, Sawyer just wants to get away and move on with his life, even though he know he does know this place is special and it's strange that he doesn't respect Jack's views in a way. I think it's just well, hurt. I, yeah, maybe it's just hurt. I think it's twofold. I think it's definitely the Juliet thing. But you also have to remember he's been there the whole time. Jack got to leave. So Jack has a completely different perspective than Sawyer does. Sawyer has the perspective of, yeah, you got to leave. And if I left, I probably wouldn't have come back. So you could, one could argue, you know, post, you know, whatever you want to think happened to them when that plane flew off, he might've eventually felt that same thing too. Yeah. In the flash sideways, we're in a hospital with son in bed uh, she wakes up and sees Jin sitting next to her. They talk in Korean as she wakes him up, asking what happened. He tells her that she was shot, but she's going to be okay. She asks about the baby, but he says the baby's fine. They're all going to be okay. Outside, we see Jack and David walking and talking, with David asking if Jack knew Christian had another kid. Jack says he has no idea, and David is surprised Christian never mentioned her. 
Jack doesn't seem too surprised, though, since Christian kept a lot to himself, and David wonders if that's where Jack gets it from. Jack chuckles and asks if David will be okay while Jack performs the surgery, and David confirms he will be before wishing Jack luck. We then go to the operating room where Jack is scrubbing up and getting told about the case. He's told that the man, Locke, was run over by a car, but he was already paralyzed. Jack says he's ready, and as he's looking at Locke's reflection, again a use of the reflections, he realizes that he knows the man on his table. Yeah. So, <laughs> what I wrote down here, which you didn't, didn't say there, was Jack, once again, says his favorite line, or his favorite thing to say in a procedure, the dural sack. Every time his dural sack's obliterated, how's his dural sack? We've got to check it. And I was like, what is a dural sack? Um, so Andy's bit of knowledge here is it's the, to be honest, I can't even read out some of these words because they're technical, but it's the mem- membrane, membraneous sheath of tube or dura matter that surrounds the spinal cord. Uh, and it contains all the cerebrosis. <laughs> Spinal fluid that provides all the nutrients and buoyancy to the spinal cord. So I feel like that must be what gets what makes people paralyzed when their dural sac at the bottom of the spine is sort of obliterated or destroyed. It takes all the health away from from the spine, uh, and that's what causes people to be paralyzed. Interesting. Very interesting. Isn't that the isn't that the thing he said in his first surgery? That he accidentally That's I mean. nicked. It's Jack's favorite thing to say. Every single time Jack's in a surgery, he speaks about it. I think he even speaks about it with uh, Ben's Ben's um, tumor. Like every time he's in surgery, there's something to do with the dural sac. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a spinal surgeon. It sounds like a really important part of the spine. <laughs> this is very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on the island, Jack gets back to the beach trying to catch his breath. He hears Locke asking if Sawyer took the boat, which Jack confirms. Uh, over at Hydra Island, the boat is a bit offshore as we see Sawyer, Kate, Hurley, Frank, and Son swimming to the shore. Sawyer warns them all to stay close. They don't have much time before Locke figures out what they did. Widmore's team arrives and orders them to get their hands up. Sawyer's trying to calm them down, and when Zoe appears, she tells them to back off. She then asks Sawyer who else is with uh, with them, and he says how it's just them. Locke is back on the main island. Zoe speaks into the walkie-talkie and tells someone to turn the fence off. Jin then walks out as Zoe continues to say Sawyer and company showed up. Jin and Sun see each other, and they have their emotional reunion. Sun is able to speak again, which Lapidus notes. Jin promises that he'll never be apart from her again before they kiss. Uh, Zoe speaking into the walkie-talkie curiously. She then points her gun at all of them, and the rest of her team follows. She demands that they get on their knees and put their hands up. Sawyer references their deal, but Zoe counters that the deal is off. She then says into the walkie-talkie that they can fire on Locke when ready. Back on the other beach on the main island, Locke's team and Jack are there. The same whistling from earlier is heard as Jack realizes what's happening. Everybody scrambles for cover except for Locke, who once again doesn't flinch. More explosions rain down on them, and Locke grabs Jack and carries him to safety before telling Jack not to worry. Jack will be okay. He's with Locke now. Yeah. Did you want to say, say anything about I do. Sanjin? I want to say, um, 
But I find it really cringy that Sam got her voice back, <laughs> even though I'm a huge San Engine shipper. Sorry, I'm using the lingo because I'm really young. <laughs> anyway, I didn't really... I think that scene was a bit too short, a bit... So not what? that emotional, if yeah, that makes any sense. I wrote that down. I said, well, the first thing is I completely forgot that we got this reunion in this episode. Yeah, but... they literally hugged each other and uh, cried a little bit, and then suddenly they were surrounded by... I agree. I think this is something that they got wrong with this episode, and I think it, it wasn't really... I mean, normally this is something that Lost get extremely well. I mean, you know, we've spoken again before, Paul, about sort of the cry-worthy, the cry moments, the moments where they're designed to make the viewers a bit emotional. And I feel if you come back to like season two, episode eight, Collision, when Jin comes back and like Bernard comes back, like every time I watch that, every time I watch yeah, so in England, Bert Bernard is Bernard, so it's like, it's, and we watch Westworld as well. <laughs> it's very funny when Americans go Bernard. Garage. It's like, yeah, garage. <laughs> Bernard, yeah. So Bernard <laughs> comes back. Um, like I get a tear in my eye every time there, and I was very surprised they didn't make more of it here. I mean, obviously, when Sun and Jin die, uh, next episode, uh, that is very sad. And I do have a tear there every time, but. Unlike Saeed, we've spoken before about Saeed deserved to cry and he didn't get one. Um, but I'm surprised Lost didn't do more here for their reunion. Until you just said those words, I completely forgot that that was your thing. And I remember like putting that in there for something else yeah. in the podcast. Lost ruined it. There. Lost did a lot wrong in season six, but the biggest thing they did wrong was killing one of the greatest characters in the whole show, who is Saeed. Like up to season half. Up to halfway through season five, he was a very solid, interesting, extremely important character. And like he's in the top six. Of your of, like, yeah, No, not of my I most favourite. Of like, the most important characters in oh. Lost. And you think people like... Like Saeed clearly has more of, more of an impact on the entire show than Juliet does or Charlie. Or even... Claire. Well, I'm trying to think of people who've died, but like, um, like you you think of the moments you get from Juliet dying, where everybody you. with any soul cries mm-hmm. at. One, one, I love how you say anybody with any soul, where you're flat out calling your brother out right there. Like that's what you're like, doing. We all know she it. Died. I'm not expecting you to, to cry oh, all, all the time. Juliet is but amazing. She was like, amazing. There's there something wrong with you. And Juliet the, is so likable. Yeah. She's. A, Purely good person. Yeah. I can't see why anyone hates her. It's yeah. just she's just really good. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. But then going back on track, and the same with Charlie. Like Saeed is clearly more of yeah, more, has more Sorry. of a story r- r- role, or like what is it than than Charlie, and yet what's the song? And that Charlie Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. What you're saying? No, I mean oh. Charlie's song. Oh, you all everybody. Yeah, you all everybody. Um, yeah, and, and they and you got a massive cry for Charlie. But Saeed, yeah, that, they messed that up. Saeed deserved to cry. I would have, yeah. if they just made that scene of Saeed running, like he had more of a conversation with Jack, like apologizing for him being, for all the things he'd done wrong, and they played some lovely sad music, I would have been weeping for hours. But they fucking ruined it. And Saeed just ran to the door, blew it up, 
and there was Saeed gone. And I, to this day, I'm still very sad that I wasn't allowed to cry at Saeed dying. Saeed, Saeed deserved. deserved to cry. <laughs> I remember that when you said that one. Yeah. And I, t- I took that clip, and I remember putting it elsewhere. Oh, man. Um. No, I don't. I don't disagree with with what you said. Like he was, and I would agree. Like probably top six of like the the most important characters in the show. And yeah, uh, I definitely think that that this reunion between Sun and Jin, which is kind of what sparked this whole thing, I think the reunion was not played up because they knew what was going to be coming very soon. So that moment was going to be the more emotional moment for fans, I think. But yeah, that's actually uh, the fact that, you know, Jack being with Locke, um, other than like three trivia notes, that's all I have for the end of this episode. Yeah. Well, we'll just mention that this season, they they do a lot with that like muffled sound. And we've got a... I haven't really watched Lost since we've moved to our flat here uh, like five months ago, but we've got a surround sound in our living room. And when they do that muffled sound, when Jack gets blown to the side so that we can't hear properly, it it sounds great through a surround sound. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my only uh, quick three trivia notes are this episode uh, gets Josh Holloway up to 100 episodes, which Matthew Fox, Jorge Garcia, Evangeline Lilly, and s- maybe Terry O'Quinn already hit by this point. But this is Josh Holloway's 100th episode. Okay. Uh, Nadia appears for the second time this season, and this is the first time in the series that she's appeared twice in a season. And this is the first time we see on screen Claire leaving the main island. So, yeah. Okay. Well, so none of the other people on that. Well, I suppose everyone else has left the island, haven't they? Apart from Sawyer. But he's been to the other island. Yeah, I was going to say, she's never she's never even... Uh, on screen, we've never seen her go to Hydra Island. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But that is the last thing I have. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else uh, that you want to say about the last recruit? Um, I want to say in the end about that really annoying lady, Zoe. <laughs> She's so annoying in the end of the episode. Because I've, I've got it in my note. Because I, yeah. I was watching the show and writing at the same time. And my last note was, She's really annoying, useless, and something else. Yeah, she was just a bitch. Like... Okay. Shouting! Oh no, the rule, the rules have changed. Like, does Zoe have a single line in the entire show that doesn't make you want Hate her. to just? Oh, I don't know. Just punch the TV or pick her up and drown her. I don't know. She's just <laughs> awful. Oh, but anyway, yeah. It's not a very bad episode. No, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean. In the grand scheme of Lost, it wasn't a particularly good episode because I don't think any of the season six episodes are. I think a lot of the storylines are rushed and you don't get it. It's a bit too much like we're trying to move on. We're trying to move on with the storyline. We're not really yeah. giving enough time to the characters themselves to have those moments with each other uh, to build uh, to build a bit more. Well, build a bit more on the characters, but 
in general, it was considerably better than the last Jack episode Jack I did. The last episode, no, the last episode I did with my brothers. You're just comparing Jack's tattoo episodes. I think that's, Jack's tattoo that's Paul's least favorite. Awful! Oh my god! Is that your least favorite episode, Paul? Stranger in a Strange yeah. Land. Absolutely. Yeah. You did that episode with me. I did because because oh my god, it's awful. I do quite like. Well, I don't like it, but I don't mind that one. It's Fire and Water is my least favorite. What is it? Which fire and water yeah. that's the that's the charlie uh yeah. uh has a uh heroin dream <laughs> yeah that's my least favorite okay um but actually I, and i said this at the time too like stranger in a strange land my least favorite episode that podcast episode with you and kevin really enjoyed it though. yeah god a long time ago now yeah it was yeah um so if anybody wants to uh, get in touch with you guys all around the internet to talk about any of the various things we've talked about, we have talked about quite a lot today, where can they do that? They can find me through Instagram. It's Cara Blue Sky. C-A-R-A, because Cara with a K is just a stripper's name. So I'm Cara with a C, <laughs> elegant. C-A-R-A, Blue Sky, just like the color blue and the sky above you. There you go. And you'll see, love, she is... The most gorgeous woman you'll ever see in your life. I'm so witty, funny, charming, fantastic. Hey, I'm supposed to be complimenting you, and you're supposed to be getting flattered by it. You're not supposed oh, to go okay. and start being all stubborn and not stubborn, what I'm trying to think. And uh, sassy. Well, sassy, yeah. You're supposed to accept it. Okay. She's yeah. very beautiful. Kara is a part-time model, so you can see a lot of lovely fashion models, modeling poses and clothes that she does there. I also have brains because I work in finance. She also has brains. She's not modest, as you can probably tell. Uh, no, this is just a pretense. I'm a really <laughs> nice person. Come on. Anyway, you can find Cara at Cara Blue Sky on Instagram. You can find myself as Andy Cornball on uh, all the social media platforms most importantly is andy cornforth on youtube because that's where you'll see all my michael giacchino remixes and then i also have a side project of andy cornforth fitness oh yeah if you want to see andy being topless and really gorgeous and sweaty you go there at andy cornforth fitness oh my god he looks really good that's not the main reason you should go there the main reason is because i i can help anybody out who wants to learn proper technique or Important yeah, exercises to stop just, you being broken. If you just secretly fancy Andy, you can just or you go just there. secretly fancy yeah. me. Yeah, this is true. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You can find pictures of what I'm uh, doing throughout my day on Instagram at jpcs.pics. You can find all of us via Clock Shelves on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. We talked a lot about past episodes that Andy has been on. Uh, he's actually been on Paul and All as well. You can check those out all via clockshelves.com. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a rating. Give us a you know review. We love hearing that. Share it with your friends if you are so inclined. Uh, you could have gotten this episode early on our $4 Patreon tier over at patreon.com slash clockshelves. And... Um, I think that's just about it. Andy, thank you as always for being on. Kara, lovely speaking with you. Definitely uh, going to have to speak with you about Lost and various other things in the future. Uh, so I will end with the traditional thank you. Namaste and good luck. 
Thank you. Bye.